welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 261 of the podcast. It's Friday, and you're hearing me back live with you. I hope everyone had a fantastic summer. My kids are now officially back in school, and so I'm heaving a big sigh of relief. It is so good to have my mornings back, and Jackson's going to start preschool next week. Just a lot of good things, a lot of good things. All right, today we're talking specifically about school. We're having Meg Flanagan on. She is a military wife currently living abroad in Japan, but also she founded Mill Kids Ed, which helps parents to navigate the educational system, um, customizing different educational options, helping to communicate with their children's teachers better, solving homework woes, you name it. And today we're talking about not only her motherhood journey, but about why she started Mill Kids Ed and how she can help you to navigate the beginning of the school year. It's going to be a great conversation. I can't wait for you to meet her. So let's get to it with Meg Flanagan. All right. I'm thrilled to be chatting with Meg Flanagan today. Hey, Meg. Hey, Jessica. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? Really, really good. Okay. So it is Thursday at 7 p.m. for me. It is what day and what time for you? (laughs) It is Friday at 11 a.m. for me. How's Friday treating you? (laughs) I mean, it's Friday. We're here. You made it to Friday. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. Well, you are in Japan currently. You're a military spouse as well. Yes, I am. Yep, we live in Okinawa, Japan. Awesome. How long have you lived there? We've lived here two years, and we love it. You do? Was that something you envisioned as like, oh, that'd be a great opportunity to go abroad in the military, or did it fall in your lap, or how did that transpire? Um, so basically, we were told this is the only option oh, at this point in my husband's career. Don't you um, love that? Never a place we would have picked. Um, it, Europe was on our radar, California, the Pentagon again, but not Japan. All <laughs> right. Just fallen in love. Amazing. What does your husband yeah. do in the military? Um, he is public affairs. Cool. So, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And where else have you lived? Oh gosh, we have lived in um, Washington DC and in Southern California and San Diego. Cool. That's awesome. I'm from San Diego originally. Yeah. So there you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm just thrilled to be chatting with you today. It's the beginning of the school year for most of us listening and It'll be just great to hear more about um, the company that you founded and the support that you give people in education and things. But just for people that may not know you, we give a little background on yourself and your family. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I run Mill Kids Ed. It's an education website and resource of services and soon-to-be printables um, for busy families, not just military families, but really any family that has questions about school feels like they are struggling at school or, you know, just needs, just needs someone to show them the way. Um, and so, um, so I founded that about, gosh, eight years ago now as a tutoring company, um, back before we had kids and I had a little bit more flexible time on my hands to actually meet with clients and and work one-on-one with children. Um, now I run it as a blog and a coaching business. 
Um, we have lived all over, and so working this way uh, is really beneficial. Plus, it lets me use my master's in special education and draw on my multiple certifications as an elementary and special ed teacher. Cool. And how many kids do you have, and what are their ages? I have two kids. I have a little girl who's four and a half and a little boy who's one and a half. And so what was your birth experience? Did you have him in Japan? I did. I had him I had him in Japan. And how did that Naval vary? Hospital. Okay. It was, I mean, very much different than having my daughter stateside. Um, you know, stateside, there's no quite like, you just get the birth certificate and it's done. Here we had to go through like a multiple step process. Um, he already has two passports, his official military passport and then his... Um, tourist passport and they both have his little his little cute like five day old baby face in there it's how, very very how very cute funny. I just got my kids passports for the first time a couple months ago and there was a like very newborn maybe five days old as well baby and they had him in a white boppy and the woman's over the top of him like trying to get the picture straight on and he's turning and she's like slap snap snap you know I just thought it was so funny so good. Yeah, it was an experience to get, for sure, to get his picture done at, you know, five or six days old. And they're like, well, can you open his eyes? I'm like, no, he's new. He's brand new. He doesn't he's take commands. <laughs> like, he can't do anything. For sure. For sure. Well, I heard a little bit about your story. Um, you told me ahead of time that you faced some postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression. Tell me about that season in your life and how did it look for you and how did you kind of work through that? Um, yeah, so I was teaching full-time um, right before I had my daughter, um, and, you know, after after I had her, I had the 12 weeks, and the principal I was working with at the time was incredibly gracious. She would not take a bottle at all until she was nine months old, um, and so I, I was able to work very pleasantly with him, and he was so kind and just said, hey, take the rest of the school year. It's only four more weeks five more weeks there's no point in you transitioning back in just right before all of the exams and stuff and your job will be waiting for you so I was able to kind of um you know delay going back to work full-time and really enjoy being a mom at home with my daughter um when I did go back that's kind of when all of the anxiety and depression hit me trying to run the house um my husband has a very um, high stress job and it requires a lot of hours so I was the one who was doing you know all the cooking the cleaning the child care plus working a full-time teaching job which is uh, at least 40 hours a week but probably more like 50 or 60 when you factor in all the after-school stuff um, and so I just I just had a lot on my plate and um, as military spouses you're you're kind of expected to be the support and the reliable one and the, the rock of your family and do all the things all the time. You're supposed to be Olivia Pope, basically. <laughs> yes. um, and so uh, it got to about October in, in the next school year, and I, I wasn't sleeping. I was crying over her crib every night, just, you know, pumping at school and just sobbing into my lunch while I did that and it, it got to a point where I was up at three o'clock in the morning just my mind spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and I I, I, I emailed the lesson plan and said hey I, I gotta take a day I have to take I have to take a day because I I can't do this anymore like it's not going to end well and I went to my doctor the next day and she took one look at me and said no something is wrong this is not normal like you are having delayed post like I know it's very common for people to have it within, you know, after that, four, they call it the fourth trimester. It's very common to, like, experience it right around 
then the baby blues just never go away. But I, I didn't really have the baby blues. I had it kind of a delayed onset of all of the things were happening and I did not handle it well. Yeah. Well, and I like how you said, like, she said that this is not normal, not like you are not normal. And I think sometimes there's so much shame associated with you're supposed to feel happy. You're supposed to know what to do as a mom. You're supposed to feel the happy feelings and the good feelings. And when you don't or when you go back to work and you're struggling to balance things, you start to feel like I'm not normal. I'm not doing this well versus the circumstances influencing everything and your hormones influencing things. So did you ever take that on as kind of a personal burden or did you feel kind of separate from it? Like, okay, this is not normal and I can get help. I, I can get better. Um, I think maybe a little bit of both. I'm, I'm kind of a perfectionist um, and I'm, I'm very incredibly hard on myself always. Um, so I probably, you know, was more prone to this than than maybe another person or another mother. Um, but, you know, I, I did take a lot of the blame on myself because, you know, if if lesson plans aren't done in time, that's because I had to take care of the baby at night or the house wasn't clean or, you know, just, just those, not to make light of another, you know, mental illness, but kind of those like OCD obsessively obsessive things that you just kind of have on your list of no it must be this way um that was everything that was wrong was pretty much my fault Mm. at at the time when I was really struggling with that um and having someone else say that that this is not your fault this is this is just life this This just happens it happens Yeah. yeah so when did you start to see a turnaround in yourself and did your circumstances change or were you able to develop those new coping mechanisms and treatments and things like that? Yeah. Um, so I probably started to see, it was in October that I finally like reached out and got the help. Um, I probably started to see more of a positive change by, um, maybe Christmas time, right around the first of the year. Um, I, I got back into running. My doctor actually prescribed me uh, medication and running exercise. She said, you need, you need to be out in the fresh air. You need to exercise at least 30 minutes a day outside or 30 minutes inside, but weighted so mm-hmm. that your body is really working hard hmm. to kind of balance your hormones out and build endorphins in there. Um, I started seeing a therapist and, um, we ended up PCSing at the end of the year. And I, I just, I thanked my teaching team for really supporting me through what was a really tough year. And they looked at me and they said, we had no idea that this was happening. Wow. We had no idea. Like you were so on every single day when you were at school, like you were, mm. you were perfect. Like there's nothing we could have asked for you to do better or different or be different. Like we had no idea that you were struggling so much and we wish you would have told us. Hmm. Wow. And so what did that teach you now in further relationships with other people who might be going through something similar? Like, do you ask different questions of your friends and things now that you've been down this road yourself? Absolutely. Actually, with my, with my younger child, I, I started seeing a therapist almost immediately after the, after he was three months old, I started taking him at first and then I found a sitter and because I wanted to make sure that I had the supports in place. And now, um, another mom in my neighborhood just just had twins and her mom luckily is here for for a couple months um but as as soon as I went and saw her I was like look you are getting out of the house if I am dragging you kicking and screaming you will call me if you need a minute if you need someone to baby hold or if you just need to not be here with your children please call me 
and if you feel yucky, if it, if you feel upset or sad, this is okay. And I'm here. I'm right. I'm literally across the parking lot yeah. and I will bring you wine <laughs> and we will have chocolate and we can talk about this. Amazing. Because I feel like it's so isolating and moms are ready to feel like it's their fault for this, for this to happen to them. Yeah, and in, in this experience in particular, when you're so clouded by whether it's depression or this racing thoughts with anxiety, that's how it manifested for me was more the anxiety portion of it. You don't know what you need in that. And if you're prone to depression, you're not probably getting out of the house very much or opening up to people because that's one of the symptoms, right? And so it takes somebody proactively, a good friend or a trusted colleague or a professional that you have already planned to put in place to step in and say, I'm here and really check in and and calibrate where you're at so that they can make that judgment for you versus you deeming yourself fine because we don't always have the best judgment in, in that season. No, certainly not. I know that I made I made a lot of and I mean I make mistakes every single day, but a lot of I feel like a lot of my relationship with my daughter is still very much colored by how much anxiety mm. and just just how yucky I felt during the first you know year of her life and I and I am actively I mean I'm actively working to change that even you know three and a half years later trying to find a a different way to relate to her because so Mm. much of my anxiety and stress just manifested in in my mothering oh interesting and it's like a trigger to you so it's almost like PTSD you know, if she's getting worked at, like my son, my first son, he's eight now. He used to cry and cry and cry. And I would cry and cry and cry and cry. And and that's interesting that you say that because now that I think, like, he really is triggering to me more than my other two. And maybe it does have roots from those initial things where I felt so helpless to control his behavior. And still I feel helpless to control his behavior. But I now I know better. And I shouldn't, and I don't get as worked up and don't sob uncontrollably anymore most of the time. But you know what I mean? That's it. I've never really thought about that correlation, but that could absolutely be true. Interesting. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you got the help and now that you're able to offer that support to other women. That's just that's just incredible. I think that's what we all need to do for for each other. And so you have an education background and you really just I guess started seeing a need for more support. How did Milk Kids Ed come about what it looked like initially and what does it look like today um so i started it in 2010 basically as a tutoring company um or just a you know tutoring it was just me it's not really a company it's just me still you can be a company (laughs) Um, it's totally a company um and you know i had i was a new military spouse um we just moved from massachusetts to california and there were no teaching jobs um and then my husband left for a one-year deployment to a combat zone so I had a lot of, again, stress and anxiety. So not a huge shocker that I struggled later on um, with postpartum depression. But um, a lot of friends in my in my husband's unit were just complaining. They were like, man, my kid is missing fractions. Like we've we've moved every single year when whenever fractions has been taught, or we've moved, you know, they they just they're just not sure because the they move from Virginia and the standards are different between Virginia to California. And so there's a lot of gaps that military kids have. And so I thought, hmm, well, how could I, how could I use this 
to help other people. I have an education degree. I know how to specialize education. So why don't I come in as a tutor and I can specialize your education for you. I will come in and we can do homework. We can do whatever your kid needs to do, whatever you want your kid to do. But we let's work on filling in those gaps. Meg, you're a genius. You're a genius. (laughs) I love this so much because you're just using the tools you already had and you're answering somebody's problem. That's how the best businesses come to be. But it doesn't have to be, you know, a 50-person corporation. It can be you addressing a need. And look at you all these years later. You're a genius. Okay, keep going. Sorry. You're just a genius. No, you're fine. Um, so I got booked up pretty quickly, and then I expanded into the civilian community, um, particularly with kids that were gifted. I ended up homeschooling a little boy who was extremely gifted, um, working you know, grade levels above his chronological age, and also homeschooling um, a military family with a child with um, of several different um learning differences, who just wasn't getting what he needed in the public school. And so being able to kind of reach out and homeschool and tutor um, was so fulfilling. Um, But then when we moved, I went back to the classroom full time. Um, It was a a better fit for me in Virginia. Um, The district I worked in was just wonderful. and then we moved again, and I thought, well, let's just let's see if I can do, you know, milk kids out again. Let's see what I can make this. But I had a daughter. Um, my daughter was about one and a half when we moved, and daycare is expensive in California, and I wasn't making any money. So I thought, well, I'll just blog. I'll just write a blog to help um, teachers originally um, understand how military kids are operating and what they might need. And over the years, it's kind of evolved more into a website for parents to understand how schools work. I feel like that is a a gap that is so it's not talked about. You're because we talk a lot about teaching children how to do the common core math. But we never explain to parents how the school hierarchy works and about who you should talk to first when you have a problem at school. We never we never sit down and say, okay, well if your child is is behaving at you know, if you have a problem at school with whatever, you should go to the teacher first. You don't immediately email the principal. That's not how this works. And I feel like a lot of people go straight to the top instead of working up the chain of command. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't under- explain to parents um, all the different ways that we can help your child in school between um, specialized, like non-special ed, but small group instruction that's kind of, you know, tweaked and modified, particularly for a group of children or a specific child. We don't talk about um, the ways that technology is being used. And so a lot of parents that I've dealt with as a teacher and now as a coach um, assume that everything is still like it was when I was growing up in you know the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. They assume that screen time is limited. They assume that you know, you're still doing a lot of the rote memorization, a lot of you know, the drill and kill type stuff. And that's not what education looks like today. Right. But we have no one ever told parents that. No. No, so you can't expect to have them respond with all the information when they don't have all the information. So sometimes they're jumping to conclusions and it's the teacher's fault or it's the principal's fault and the blame game never, never works. So, oh, interesting, interesting. And so let's say, for example, I'm sure you hear from parents that have a problem with a teacher or, you know, think their kid's being picked on or the education plan is not being specialized enough to meet their child's needs. What would be your advice for that parent? Um, so there's that's I would have different advice for every parent that sure. you just mentioned. Okay. So um, the first advice I always have is is 
communicate openly, honestly, and politely. This is a professional relationship. You do not have to like your child's teacher, but you do have to respect them professionally. Just like you might not like your boss, you might not like your colleague, you still have to work with them. There is no other option. You have to work with your child's teacher. And so the best way to do that is to remain unfailingly professional um, and, and tell them honestly what you feel like, but in a very professional way. Um, so instead of, you know, the you didn't teach my kid X, Y, Z, uh, you might want to flip that and say, um, I, I were having some trouble with X, Y, Z at home. Would you mind please um, reviewing this with Johnny? when when you next get a chance um, and please let me know how he's doing with x y and z so that i can reinforce it at home or what you're doing to help teach him so we can reinforce it at home mm. so that's a different message instead of directly calling out the teacher and saying you're not doing this because you would never send that email to to a boss or a colleague you would never say oh susan you're not doing this why are you not doing this you'd never say that to a boss um you you've phrase it more politely and, you know, give them, give them the soft, the soft sell. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we're modeling for our kids the respect that they give people that they may not see eye to eye with. Right. And so if we're kind of bashing the teacher at home over the dinner table, like, oh, they yell so much. Oh, they're such a mean teacher. When we're labeling, I mean, I hear it all the time. And I mean, I probably slipped as well. Like, oh, that's the mean teacher or whatever what are we doing for our kids putting that in their brains? And I heard on some other podcast I was listening to how important it is to view whoever your child's teacher is, the teach, you know, praying that that's the right teacher for them. Like what can they learn from them and their style? Perhaps it is a teacher that's less patient and more strict or more stern. Um, there's bosses like that. There's colleagues, there's roommates like that. There's people like that in the world. And your child has to deal with those people too. So if it's infringing upon their self-confidence and their ability to learn, that's probably where you'd you'd say, you know, get involved. But if it's just a matter of kind of personality, teaching your child how to deal with those types of personality types, I would, that wouldn't you say that's really important? Yes. I think that, you know, we, we harp so much on the standards right now and, you know, making sure that test scores are high. In my opinion, especially in elementary school, at least 50% of the battle is teaching your child how to be a human in the world. And that, you know, you're not going to like everyone you meet, but you do have to be polite to everyone you meet and you do have to be willing to work with them as a human being to another human being. Um, and you need to learn how to conduct yourself in such a way that, that you, that you're the kind of person that other people want to work with. Mm, I love that. I love that. Yeah, no, that's great advice. Um, another common question that I'm sure you get that we face in our home as well as homework. My child pushing back against homework. They've already put in a full day at school. Getting them to sit down and do homework is a struggle. What? How can you help me? <laughs> so it's funny that you mentioned that. I actually just released a brand new free printable that I'm sharing um, when you sign up for my email list, um, which is at Milk Kids Ed, it's all over the milkkidsed.com website. Okay. Um, but basically, it's six easy steps to solve your homework problems and make it as stress-free as humanly possible. And the first step is take a break. When your child gets off the bus or when you get home or, you know, if they're in, if they're in care, aftercare, you know, daycare after school, take a break, a 15, uh, at least a 15-minute break, but really, ideally, a 30 to 45-minute break of nothing screen no screens no work 
please leave my house, go outside and play, let's go to a park, or if you want to be inside, let's let's dance silly for a couple minutes, why don't you read a book, do literally anything other than homework, something that makes them feel good, something that, that relaxes them, relaxes their brain, because I know when I've worked a full day, the last thing I would like to do is to come home and do more work, that's the very last thing I want to do. Um, when you're taking that break, I would add in a snack, a healthy snack, so not cookies, but something maybe like hummus and vegetables or apples with like peanut butter to dip in or even Nutella for that little bit of extra sugar. Um, a protein shake would be really good here um, or just a smoothie, something that your child likes and enjoys and will help them again set that like calm and refreshed mood and then get back to it. Um, yeah, that sounds great. That yeah, yeah, no, I think I think that sounds great. And I think if you're feeling like your afternoons are really booked, which I hear from a lot of parents lately, to put your kids in everything is very common, especially in the States. And so reevaluating how many things do your kids really need to be involved in. If you can't have that buffer time in the afternoon and then homework is an additional stressor, do they need all the teams and all the lessons and all the things and kind of reevaluating that I think is important. Absolutely. So one of my things um, as a teacher is that um, if you can't do the homework because you're too stressed out about it or you've hit your grade level limit um, of time, so like fourth grade is 40 minutes, it's 10 times whatever grade number you're in, and then that's how many minutes you should ideally be spending total in homework. If you're feeling really stressed, crying, upset, angry, reach the limit, and you call it and you're done for the night, that's 100% fine. But if you didn't do the homework because you had soccer practice, that's going to be a zero in my book. I'm really, I'm really sorry, mm -hmm. but you need to make the choice. There's so many times when I've made the choice between going to a movie or staying at home to great assignments, to going to a run or doing my work. I've made the choice to do my work because that's expected of me. And this is an assignment. It's expected of you to try your best. If you choose not to do it because of whatever, that's on you. Yeah. Yeah, and setting up those expectations from the beginning. So as a military family, and I know your kids are still young and you haven't quite faced this personally, but you've certainly moved a lot and you've had to assimilate into new areas and making friends and everything. What are some tips you can give parents whose child is starting a new school, perhaps they've recently moved states and you know it's a completely new environment. How can we really help our kids in, in new environments, whether it's school or teams or anything like that? Um, absolutely. So with younger kids, um, you do kind of want to be more of a presence with them, kind of guide them to a group, maybe um, through scouts or your church, um, maybe sports teams. And you do kind of want to be there to help, you know, be that buffer for them um, that just in case they reach out and fall, you also want to model that for them, like how you personally reach out. So maybe um, if you're religious, you go to church and then you make a point every every Sunday of going up to an, a new person while you're while you're having coffee and pastries and saying hi I'm Meg I'm, I'm new here um, could you I'd love to you know learn more about our community making a point to to be friendly yourself and then your your child will um, will, will kind of pick that up they'll know it's okay to go up to a, a new child or another person and say hi I'm so-and-so I'm new here could you like I, I I need a friend would you like to play at the playground um, and then for older children, just kind of do it based on their interests. Hopefully you've been modeling that kind of friend-making um, behavior all along. Um, but, but definitely step back. You don't want to force your, 
tween or teen to be friends with somebody that they're just not going to click with. Um, so find that, find that group that works for them. And it might be different at this location than at your last location. Maybe you were a theater kid last time and this time you're super into 4-H, whatever. Mm-hmm. As long as they're happy and their friends are, are positive examples and role models in their lives, that's fine. Yeah. No, that's, those are great tips. Um, I've told this story a while back on the show, but we were at Chick-fil-A the other day, and my three-year-old, you know, as most three-year-olds entering the play area do, I said, oh, there's a little boy your age. Go say hi. Go play. And he did because he's used to that. And then he comes out, and he's like, Mom, there's a mom over there. Go say hi. Because <laughs> she was sitting by herself. And I'm like, all right. That is so true. And how many times – are we coaxing our kids to do the things that sometimes we're too shy to do, you know? And so we need to employ those same social skills and and whatnot. But I also, to go along with that, you know, having moved a lot myself as well, you know, really just validating their feelings. Like, ugh, it's it's hard. It's hard being the new kid, isn't it? You feel a little nervous. Your tummy hurts a little bit. I bet you're going to find one new friend today. Do you think you can find a friend? What Who are we looking for? A funny kid. Okay, that's good. Hmm, that kid, you know, looks about your age. I wonder what their name is, you know, and kind of helping them through that, but really validating wherever they're at. They are going to make friends. It is going to be okay. You know that, but just meeting them where they're at to not, to not force it. Cause nobody wants to feel like their parents just wants them to get over it. Cause I don't want people to tell me to get over it. If I don't feel great about it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think the validating their feelings is so important, um, especially for military kids and really any kid that's on the move or entering a new environment. It, it's so natural and normal and human to just feel kind of like weird about it um, and to feel anxious and that's totally okay um, especially at school because there's a lot of pressure at school right now to yeah. be and do all the things right right I mean academics feel like hardly any focus anymore on it it's more about like the socialization and fitting in and what people think and it's tough it's a different world it's a different world these days well, Meg, this has been so great to chat with you about your motherhood journey, about Milk Kids Ed. So where can people find you? And if they go to your website, what will they find there? Right. So um, you can find me all over, all of the social media, pretty much. Um, if you just type in Milk Kids Ed or at Milk Kids Ed on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook, I think is where I'm at right now. I have a Tumblr. It's not active. And I have a YouTube channel. It's just not active, really. Um, and then I have my website, MilkKidsEd.com. When you do visit my website, you'll find tons of great articles and resources. Um, I am working right now on building my paid principal resources library, um, and my coaching services are available to help parents through the school journey. Um, but mostly you'll find articles that provide timely tips. My top, One of my top articles is about all the rights that parents have in school hmm. that they don't know about and that they don't know how to use. And I walk parents through the top four laws and rights that they need to know about and exactly how to use them. Wow. I'm going to check that out. That sounds amazing. <laughs> and you mentioned that printable for helping your kids with homework. So they should definitely head over there. Everything's going to be linked at extraordinarymomspodcast.com and they can find you over there. You're so awesome, Meg. I always ask my guests just one final question and it's this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? Oh, man. I think I would tell my pre-motherhood self to first enjoy the alone time, to not not – stress out about you know being and doing all the things with other people to enjoy the solo time at the beach um I would also 
tell her that you should probably talk to a therapist (laughs) because you have things that you need to work out um and that you should really treasure the other the other mothers um or mother figures in your life because these are the people that you're going to meet and rely on beautiful thanks so much meg for sharing your expertise and i hope everyone will go check you out that's awesome Thank you so much for having me. Konnichiwa. <laughs> is, that, is that Japanese? That's Japanese, right? <laughs> it is. It is. It's konnichiwa is um, like good afternoon or, hel- or there, hello, like a general hello. Well, that was very appropriate then. Have a great day, Meg. <laughs> Thank you. You too. I hope you got some great ideas about starting the new school year, easing into homework, dealing with your kids' teachers, modeling appropriate behavior, all the things. And I loved hearing from Meg about her motherhood journey as well. So everywhere that you can find male kids is linked over at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com as well as cute pictures of Meg and her family. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at JessicaDalquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Coming up next week, we have a fabulous episode with Kristen Carbone. Kristen is a single mom of two, and she somewhat recently went through a preventative mastectomy when her mom passed away of breast cancer. She knew that she also wanted to take a handle on her life preventatively and not have that same tragic outcome and be around for her kids. She's also started a new company, Brilliantly, that helps support women of surviving breast cancer and breast reconstruction and all the things she's just doing amazing things you're going to be so inspired by her message and her motivation i know i was and i can't wait to share it with you on tuesday make sure you're subscribed to the show everybody you'll never miss an episode that way and it helps new friends to find the show as well thanks for tuning in today and we will see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom bye